0: life in fear or are we gonna stand up and make sure we're heard are we gonna hide or live life by our word with integrity we can be all that we can see in our mind's eye until we're finally free we can become whatever we choose once we know the choice lies within me and you now's the time to wake up no time for playing small history and an uncertain future, now is the time to evolve. Hello ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and welcome back to the Unapologetically Human podcast with Dan Boyven after a little hiatus with all of the craziness that's been going on the past getting on several weeks now. Um, I've kind of been in hiding a little bit, uh, just trying to kind of deal with the slight emotional roller coaster that it's been with everything going on, global pandemic, losing my job like so many other people. I am a bar manager. I was a bar manager. We'll, we'll see if, uh, if that ends up being something that happens when we reopen everything and stuff starts getting back to normal, but uh, yeah, I just want to acknowledge my my absence these past few weeks and thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Um, as many of you know, but some of you may not, if you're a new listener, the Unapologetically Human podcast is very much about just trying to understand ourselves, other people, and the world that we live in, and man, is it ever a time to have some challenges about understanding the world that we live in. So I want to start today's episode off with one of the primary lessons that I got when this all sort of started and that lesson is basically just a reflection of how dumb i can be and in turn how dumb we can be and what that looked like for me is that you know we've got this global pandemic scare i had just been traveling from toronto and canada to san diego from March 8th to the 11th was the last time I was there. Basically, I got back to Toronto right as all of this stuff like started blowing up. And I don't really listen to or watch or read many mainstream media sources. I think they're fucking garbage. There's a lot that can be said about that. But I, I really was not informed on the escalating situation that we now find ourselves in that that was really escalating around that time and you know over the course of the past 20 years or so it seems like there's always something that the media is fucking droning on about to scare us keep us in fear keep us panicking and driving their own ratings and you know getting people to share Fear and panic and outrage is uh, pretty much one of the main things in the business model, right? And so I, like many other people, including many of the people who were just at this leadership training in San Diego with me, many of which who traveled from all over the United States and some other countries around the world, we all were sort of like, ah, pandemic, pan, schmemic, whatever. Nobody really cared. We were all hugging. We were all like super excited to see each other after not seeing each other for two months and basically I was in a a space of, you know, we had SARS in 2003, we had Y2K in 1999-2000, we had the Ebola scare, the, you know, swine flu, H1N1 scare. It just always seems like the media is really digging into some story that is supposed to have essentially turned into what we're now experiencing and so i like many other people just brushed it off i was like yeah whatever i'm not fucking worried about this shit but where i really got the lesson sort of just being like oh like this kind of stupid of me is i have a friend who lives in the states and she has for the past couple or few months to my knowledge been like really researching what's going on and really informing herself and really digging into the the data and what's being said behind this idea of like flatten the curve and the social distancing long before you know we started like shutting shit down and I was sharing some of those things. Like I shared a picture that my friend, uh, my friend posted of like James Franco of all people. Obviously James Franco is not a fucking authority on, on anything. Same, same could be said for myself in some ways, but it's like, you know, we, we have this disease early on kill 3000 people and everybody's losing their fucking shit. But we have like 300,000 people die a year of like coronary heart disease and we develop a new flavor of Doritos. Like we generally don't really give a shit about a lot of the really important things that are going on out there. And so I thought that was a kind of funny post. I was brushing it off. I posted this other media thing listing all of the, you know, media scares for the last like 20 years and that none of them really panned out, which is, Great. Like, it's a good thing that they didn't pan out. But my friend was like, like she freaked out at me and she's like, stop fucking sharing this shit. Like it's literally going to lead to people fucking dying. If we don't do what we need to do to limit the damage that's going to be done by this pandemic that she saw coming because she was more informed and I was just like, eh, whatever. It'll be like all the other ones. They'll fucking talk about it, talk about it, talk about it. It won't fucking happen. We'll go about our lives again and it'll be fucking fine. And so I chatted with her a little bit about it. She was very short with me. She's scared. She's freaking out that so many people... Are not taking this seriously and that it's going to lead to like devastating consequences in, in her mind, which she rightfully sees coming being more informed on the topic. And then I ended up sharing something else that was apparently from some infectious disease doctor in like L.A. or something where. I just thought it was a more balanced view. I don't like the the fear scares in the in the media and she like freaked out on me again and it just it really gave me an opportunity to take a step back and realize that a few of the things that I shared early on when this was really all becoming more serious I just was sort of sharing cuz they either agreed with what I already thought or made me feel good in some certain way, but not because I really knew what I was talking about or that I was like really informing myself on the topic. And we, we all tend to do this many of us a lot more than others because of what's called our confirmation bias. And that's essentially that we, 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 read and watch and consume information and share information that actually supports beliefs that we already hold. So it's really to, to reinforce them. And in the case of something like this, even just to make us feel better, maybe like me sharing this thing, being like, ah, it's going to all blow over. It's going to be fine. And so that's obviously not what happened. And now we find ourselves in a situation like none of us have ever experienced before and it's fucked up. Our society's shutting down. Many people lost their jobs. Many businesses are now closed forever because of this that got shut down because they're not able to make it through this. And none of the government stimulus, uh, you know, benefits to support workers and businesses are going to get them through this. And Lots of people are working from home. That's causing probably just absolute chaos for a lot of people with their partners, their children, just handling it all. And many people are going to work still when they may only be doing so and they may in fact be putting their their own lives or the lives of people that they love at risk by going out into the world while this pandemic is going on, while this contagious virus is being passed around, and not everybody's following the social distancing measures. Like, there's just, like, there's so much going on with this pandemic. And so for me, I, not only did I need to sort of just deal with my own, grief and emotions that were going on with like this global pandemic and losing my job and i it may have been stress related or may have sparked some really deep-seated fears within me about what's going on but i also i i broke out in this weird rash i i got it checked out is probably allergies to something but I I'm a pretty young healthy guy I don't get sick very often and I've never had a rash like this so getting this rash at this time where there's this like virus going around that's killing people was you know a little bit anxiety provoking as well so you know I had to deal with whatever was going on for me and I also needed to sort of take a step back and just sort of take in and analyze what's going on I knew that I wanted to make another episode of my podcast, but most of the plans that I had just like for, for pretty much all of us, most of the plans that any of us had were really fucking just sideswiped by this pandemic coming and changing our whole society, our whole world in so many drastic ways. And so I had, you know, a bunch of conversations with, you know, my girlfriends, some close friends, some of my family members about what's going on and knew that, you know, my next podcast I pretty much like I can't not talk about what's going on. I'll be like, you know, if you, <laughs> if you listen to one of my last couple episodes, I said, you know, one of uh, one of the episodes that I want to make at some point. It was just, you know, simple, quick and easy, kind of fun, just explaining what my logo is about. And now it's like, well, I can't, I can't fucking not talk about coronavirus. But through these conversations, I just was realizing the the sheer depth of what's going on it just it really touches so many parts of human society on a global scale with you know our governance our corporations our supply chains our economies our financial system we're doing all these like bailouts and it touches so many of our lives individually with our work now being stuck at home worrying about this disease lots of people are dying people are having their lives destroyed by this losing their business their life savings family members loved ones friends like it's just it's fucking crazy and i i really hope that all of you are doing your best to really take care of yourself as best as you can during this time and do what you can to reduce your stress levels as much as you possibly can as we continue to deal with this because it looks like we're in this for the long haul and we we may be stuck in this social isolation lockdown mode for another month or two and the likelihood from, from what I'm seeing and hearing and is that this very well may be like the common, the common flu that we see come back year after year after year. Like we might see going forward that this more transmissible, more deadly virus may be something that's now recurring in our future. Right. And so because this touches on so many things, I knew that like, Shit's about to get really loud, really noisy, just with the sheer amount of content that's going to be coming out about this, people that are going to be talking about it, and things to try to learn and try to understand about what's going on. And, you know, for most of my episodes that I make, I make a couple pages of notes of sort of some ideas, some topics I want to talk about, maybe a little bit of the flow of the show. And, it's usually two or three pages, but for this, for what's going on, because it's it's so big and it touches so many topics and so many areas of our lives, I found myself writing six, seven, eight, nine pages of notes. And as you can imagine, getting kind of overwhelmed, like there's so many things I want to talk about in relation to this, but how can I possibly do that? And also just taking some time to Slow down and be gentle with myself and just deal with what I've been kind of feeling and going through with this as well. And I think alongside losing my job, I think the the global pandemic stoked some some latent fears that I had within me about sort of potential global conspiracies and things like that. And that even the rash that I broke out in may have been a combination of of stress from the job and the global pandemic in general but also these latent conspiracy fears as well as potentially an allergic reaction to something i ate and as this situation has continued to unfold and people are trying to figure out what the fuck is going on and what can we do what can't we do there's understandably there's a lot of There's a lot of fear, there's a lot of anxiety, there's a lot of uncertainty, there's a lot of challenges that people are having with what's going on and what I've seen come alongside that is that actually a lot of people have been sending me videos, primarily videos but also some articles and even just chatting with me about various conspiracy theories and with all of the the notes that I've been writing for myself about what I want to make the next episode about, I've sort of broke it down into three parts, and so the next few episodes are going to continue to be surrounding this topic of what's going on with this virus and um, a lot of the things that it that it's touching upon, but the three main Topics that I've broken this down into is sort of talking about the viruses that we have inside us. I recently got my microbiome sequenced, and you know, viruses are a part of our lives. We all have viruses inside of us. Some of them are, are fine; they're not not good to have, but they're in there. Um, and so, I wanted to talk about that a little bit, a little bit about you know the microbiome, the immune system. So that'll be in a future episode. Also, just touching upon the, the political aspect of this. How did we get into this mess without being more prepared for it? And then because so many people are sending me conspiracy-related videos and content, many of which um, I'm, I'm already quite familiar with, and I'm just seeing that there's, there's so much fear around what might be going on with some, you know, larger, more nefarious agenda with everything that's happening right now, it seems to be the most pressing to talk about the conspiracy side of things. And on the one hand, I'm kind of like, (laughs) like, sweet, fuck yeah, let's talk about conspiracies. Like, conspiracies, I think, are super, super interesting. There's so much, you know, so much depth that you can go into around conspiracies. As you know, the... You know, the saying, the rabbit hole runs deep, going deep down in the rabbit hole on this and, you know, put our fucking tinfoil hats on and let's have a conversation about conspiracies. Like I I knew that I would make an episode about conspiracies at some point because I have a lot of personal experience with getting into conspiracy culture in my early 20s. But on the other hand, I wanted to have this conversation about conspiracies as well to hopefully shed some light on maybe some ways of thinking about these kinds of ideas or these kinds of things that certainly are happening in the world. There are many conspiracies that have turned out to be true, but I know because there's so much anxiety about what's going on, hopefully through sharing my story in this realm, I can help some people, some of you that are listening to get through some of the really challenging emotions that can come up if you, if you are kind of hearing about some of these conspiracy theories for the first time. Cause like one of the women in the leadership program that I just did, she watched this one video, on the London Real podcast with Brian Rose, he's a great interviewer, great podcast. He's not a conspiracy theorist at all, but he has some people on that are conspiracy theorists. He has some great conversations with them. And one of these conversations that came out recently is with a guy named David Icke. And David Icke is known for being one of the most world-renowned authors and speakers on conspiracies, conspiracy related things. He has lots of good stuff to say. He has lots of, uh, important things that we should consider. And he's also known for some pretty wild things that are pretty out there, but she had never come across any of this information before. And when you come across grand conspiracy theories and some of which are conspiracy fact, you know, uh, the definition of a conspiracy is for one or more or a group of people to conspire to plan something in secret that will give them some sort of gain and will likely damage or, or hurt somebody else essentially. And there certainly are many conspiracies that are factual, but a lot of them are really larger than life and it can really shatter your worldview if you come across these conspiracies for the first time. And you know that's that's really what happened to me in a lot of ways. And on top of that, this interview actually has been pulled from Facebook and YouTube. he has it on his website still like you can go to look up the London Real podcast you can go on his website you can look at the full interview he's got a few interviews with other people since then like he he has a lot of really intelligent and respected guests on his podcast lots of scientists as well but this particular interview has been pulled and it's being censored and that kind of thing happening also just drives the the fear around the conspiracies and, you know, it goes against our right to freedom of speech. It shouldn't be being censored. There's all sorts of things going on with this. But luckily, she and I were able to jump on a phone call. I was able to tell her about how I had to sort of traverse through my experience of getting really deep into conspiracy cultures and not let it really affect me in my life and certainly not in my day to day. You know, it's uh, I think it's good, good stuff to be thinking about, good stuff to be talking about. uh, A lot of important ideas and topics to have larger conversations about, certainly, but not to have it really, you know, really damage you and affect your your personal mental and physical health and well-being. So as far as my story with this is I was in college for graphic design and art and design fundamentals back in 2008 2009 when the global financial collapse happened and i explained to this day that that event really shook my world and the reason for that is that what i was seeing on television from all these different news outlets was panic and fear and Basically saying that, you know, the global financial system is collapsing and it's like a fucking apocalypse and it's like the worst thing ever. And one of the questions that really came to mind for me in that time was, isn't it specifically, very, very specifically, some people or many people's jobs to make sure that this type of thing doesn't happen similar to what's going on right now like isn't it many people's jobs to make sure that we're prepared adequately for potential pandemics that we know are inevitable like they're they're it's not a if it's a when they're going to happen right and so when the global financial collapse was happening that was sort of my political awakening i got way more interested in politics and social issues and i really started asking myself and trying to answer for myself questions like what's really going on in the world who really is in charge like who who had the power to stop this from happening and didn't or who's really at fault and Is there going to be or is there really justice in our world? And what we saw from the 2008 financial collapse is that in many ways, there's not because pretty much everybody that was implicated, like the big banks and the people who were conducting all this like shady as fuck financial business with, you know, these instruments and packages they were selling and really playing with people's livelihoods and the people that caused the 2008 financial collapse basically nobody got in trouble and on top of that they actually got bailed out and when you start to realize that things like that are kind of like what's really happening in the world in a lot of ways that there's so much inequality in our systems and the way that they're run and that there are people who have more wealth and more influence and more power within those systems so much so that it's like they live in a different reality than the rest of us. They get to play this game of life by a different set of rules than normal people do. And in fact, in a lot of ways, they actually make the rules you know, in many ways, purchase the influence of our politicians and influence our political system to even have the laws written in their favor. That's just kind of how it is in a lot of ways. It's how it's sort of always been in a lot of ways, right? Like we come from a long history of struggle between the rich and the poor. We come from societies with pharaohs and kings and queens and emperors and masters and slaves you know the aristocracy and the the rich who have run things in so many societies alongside having a population of peasants of people who have virtually nothing it's it's a it's a crazy history to think about when you get into it and So when I was in my early 20s at the time of the global financial collapse and when I got much more interested in politics and social issues and what's really going on in the world, I inevitably found myself going down the rabbit hole. And when you start asking yourself questions like that or coming across information like this David Icke video on the London Real podcast talking about, you know, who really runs the world and like what their agendas really are. It can be really scary and so I want to I want to speak about conspiracies in a lot more general sense um, in relation to my experience um, kind of going down the rabbit hole and really taking years for me to kind of figuratively like claw my way back out of the hole and to really deal with the somewhat paralyzing fear and anxiety that i found myself experiencing because of these things that i was learning some of which are true some of which aren't but it can be really really challenging to distinguish you know the truth from fiction and so i want to talk about conspiracies more generally and then also talk about conspiracies in relation to this situation we find ourselves in now this pandemic and hopefully give you some tools or ways to think about these kinds of things that have at least helped me in not letting this type of stuff really like negatively affect your life. Because when I went down the rabbit hole in my early 20s, and I'm, I'm 33 now, what I really found that made me recognize that I needed to like stop taking in that type of information and focusing on that type of stuff is that I felt like shit like I felt really fucking bad I was scared by the things that were going on in the world or that I thought was going on in the world I was angry I was confused I was depressed I was anxious I felt hopeless for our future and pessimistic and fucking paranoid And mind you, I was also, you know, smoking lots of weed back then and partying with my friends a lot, which certainly doesn't help. But that's uh, definitely related to the conversation as well about, you know, whether you're going to focus on that type of information or not. How well how well are we really taking care of ourselves? It's a big part of this larger conversation of everything that's going on right now. But yeah, it's been... A bit of an interesting little trip down memory lane for me because I haven't looked at this type of information in quite a number of years. Uh, Not very much. It might sort of you know pass my way every once in a while, but I certainly don't grab on and don't dig back into it because I think it's kind of pointless in a lot of ways. But there are so many reasons for us to believe in conspiracy theories and to really like latch on to them. And one of the main reasons is that it's hardwired into our biology, our physiology, our psychology to pay attention to negative and scary things because we are trying to survive. We're trying to protect ourselves, you know, like we, we have something called the negativity bias and I heard somewhere recently actually that part of the reason that this bias, this mechanism that we have is so powerful is that negative things actually get stored like directly into our long-term memory whereas positive things don't and you might have that experience for yourself where the negative things the the hurtful the painful things that have happened to you in your life are so much more visceral they're so much more memorable whereas the positive things are maybe a little bit more difficult to remember and they're more fleeting and that's because the painful things they hurt more they you know they cut us deeper And we remember them more because we want to then avoid them in the future, right? Like for myself and for so many people that I've met on my own healing journey through programs I've taken and trying to understand myself, it is actually pretty hard for me to remember a lot of the positive things in my childhood, whereas it's really not hard at all to remember some of the negative things that have happened And one of the main reasons for this negativity bias being so powerful is because back in the day when we lived in the jungle and we might be getting preyed upon by large jungle cats or whatever other creatures that were trying to eat us, the people, our ancestors who survived in greater numbers were the ones that had the psychological ability and mechanism to Predict the worst outcome or the scary outcome. Like, if you're sitting, you know, beside some tall grass and the wind ruffles the grass, you might think, ah, it's probably just the wind. 90% of the time, it's just the wind, or even more. Or you could think that might be a fucking tiger or a panther or a lion or something, and you get the fuck out of there, right? Like, Over time, over like generations and thousands of years, many of the people or the, you know, the apes, our ancestors that would have thought, ah, it's probably just the grass. Lots of them fucking got eaten. And, you know, there's probably lots of other scenarios where also not having the importance placed on the probability, no matter how small, that it is an animal that's going to just fucking eat you and run away led to the... Passing down of genes and ways of thinking and behaving, that you have a higher chance of surviving if you consider that it's a predator every time. Every time you hear the wind rustle the grass, get the fuck out of there. Every time you hear a stick breaking in the forest, fucking run, get out of there. And like, way more people, way more of our ancestors would have survived that way. And so now fast forward into this crazy world we're living in where we don't have predators anymore. We are much more inclined to latch on to anything that is a perceived threat. And my experience of conspiracy theories is that they're also, they're really addicting, right? Because they're these big stories, they're ominous, so many of our stories that we see in our books, our television, our plays, everything, our music, throughout written and recorded history and probably before, we have these stories of good versus evil and grand conspiracies. are They just go hand in hand with what it means to be human in a lot of ways, right? Because even when we were just smaller tribal cultures, we've always been a warring species. And, you know, the the tribe next door or in the region next door might come and try to steal your your stuff, your food, your resources. They might come and rape and kill your women and children or, you know, start a war with you. Like, these kinds of things have been with us throughout history. And so, especially compared to this relatively boring modern world that we have as far as like we don't ever have like real threats on our our life or our survival. Um, When we have anything that comes into, you know, our life comes across our path is brought to our attention into our consciousness that there might be a threat to our survival. This really, really ancient part of us like latches onto that and our eyes open wide, our fight or flight mechanism engages, it gives us some stress hormones like cortisol, it it prepares our body to try to protect itself, even when we're just reading stories about these kinds of things. And I I really felt the addictive quality of Also, this idea of of like being in the know, it really conspiracies getting into them like really, really supports your ego. And this idea that like you're in the know and you're smart and you're on the side of good, hopefully, trying to fight against the side of evil the you know people that are perpetrating these things against the population and you're trying to learn about it so that you can do something positive about it and you know learning and spreading that type of information is like a good thing for you to do and you're trying to wake people up you know and everybody who's asleep is a sheep and they're being, you know, led to slaughter and there's there's so much going on with this in our in our psychology and with its sort of like ego boosting and addictive qualities and when i got into this stuff i went deep like looking looking up some of this stuff for my notes in this episode is pretty funny because it's like i'm just reading lists and lists and lists of conspiracy theories and i'm like yeah i know about all this shit fucking all of it whereas like this conversation i had with my friend like yesterday or the day before she just watched this one interview and she's never come across information like this ever and it like fucked her up like she was like like i need to like talk about this like she was, she was losing her shit. And I, I feel that I feel that. And so hopefully, um, some of you, if you're coming across this information for the first time, hopefully it's not fucking you up too much. And, uh, you know, I know some people who, who are really in that culture and believe in these things and believe in the need to learn about them and spread them. Um, probably are going to disagree with some of the things I'm saying here. And, that's all good, too, but hopefully some of this can can help lessen the, the negative effects that come along with this type of information, because there's probably a lot of people going through the motions with everything that's going on and having to sort of wrestle with these ideas on top of how this pandemic is really Deeply affecting our lives and our world is sort of, you know, some added stress and anxiety that we certainly don't need. But on one hand is also really good for us to have these larger conversations about the way that our society is set up and the systems that are in place and who's at the top and who's at the bottom and what are the real what are the real causes of what's going on, because we tend to like to look at a group of people, label them as the enemy, similar to how we look at this virus and label it as an enemy, um, and then go to war with it, because that's what we do, which is part of the biggest problem with everything that's going on, is that type of, of thinking in some ways. But these conversations are really important. And I think that we see these types of stories and conspiracies, whether they're theories or or facts, um, we see them coming up around these times because people are trying to figure out what's going on and, and looking for. Not only just who's to blame, but also like, how can we actually get through this? How can we actually fix this? And that's one of the most important parts of this conversation. And, you know, trust in our institutions are in, in many ways with government and corporations in particular are at all time lows. Like, the the structures that are in place in our world that have been in place for so long and the, the people who are really wielding so much wealth and power and influence at the top of them and want to keep them in place to keep their own wealth and power and influence in place. Like, so many of the structures around us are crumbling and that can be really scary. And it can be scary to live in a world where the structures that are supposed to be in place for us to you know live our lives amongst each other in as much peace as we can and operate society and get goods and services you know from where they are to who they need to get to when we don't trust those systems and the more we ask questions and the more we learn about just how deep these problems run It can be a really good opportunity for us to have these conversations on a large enough scale that we may actually see things shift and change in some positive directions because the veils have been lifted. People have had the time to slow down because of this pandemic. People are asking questions or looking into different information that they they normally wouldn't And a lot of the things that keep us distracted, you know, we still got Netflix. We still got all these means of consuming media online, but you know, we can't go out to the bars. We can't go to concerts. We can't go to sporting events. Like those are some of the main things that sort of hold our attention that we go to in our lives. And those are all suddenly all these things we can't do now. And so one of the things I actually really like about this whole conversation is just that it's interesting. Humans are fucked up and interesting beyond belief. And you know, the the reality of what's going on in the real world right now and all throughout our history is what all of our media and stories that we love to consume are are based on they're based on the reality of just how crazy we are as a species and as individual creatures. And so I want to go over a list of some of these conspiracies. Like this is uh, not an exhaustive list, um, but it's a, it's a pretty big list of conspiracies that are out there. Some of the most popular ones and just the sheer amount of how many there are is an indication of how broken some of our most important systems in our world really are and how lacking our trust in those systems and in one another really are. And some of these are really, really um, triggering I'm sure for, for some people and bring up probably a lot of emotions And my goal here is not to provoke any anxiety or any hopelessness in you, but I think that when we get to the end of the episode here, we can go over some of the ways I think we should really think about these kinds of things and respond to them, right? And some of these are pretty intense. Some of these are pretty fun, actually. So... I'll just I'll try to try to rifle through some of these here, and I'll kind of stop with some little side notes about a few of them. But basically, some of the main conspiracy theories out there. Most of these are theories that haven't been proven. Some of them aren't theories; they're actual conspiracies that have been proven. Um, some to just exist. Maybe not to exist for the reasons people say they do, but just the sheer amount of conspiracies that are out there, and these are like the the ones I know of and are pretty popular, is like, it's it's pretty wild. So there's basically, there's all these 9-11 conspiracy theories, there's the ideas that UFOs exist, Area 51, there's aliens that have been visiting our planet from all over the place different dimensions all sorts of shit there's lots of conspiracies surrounding the financial and banking system there's a conspiracy called the new world order that there's this cabal of satan worshiping elites that really rule the world like the illuminati um, you know and then they're comprised of all these groups the you know highest in government corporations media business military you name it they're comprised of groups like the freemasons the bilderberg group the knights of templar bohemian grove the club of rome the trilateral commission which are very real groups they're not made up and some people think like one of the more outlandish things that this guy David Icke is known for is uh, talking about how the people at the top of these like industries and groups or or whatever either they're controlled by or they actually are themselves shape-shifting reptilian alien overlords there's lots of um, there's lots of fear and disagreement uh, about things like the safety of vaccines, uh, you know, radio frequency, radiation technologies that powers things like radio, television, the Internet, our cell phones, all that stuff. And, um, you know, one of the main ones about what's happening now with the coronavirus is that like 5G technology, which is the newest, you know, fastest network that's being implemented for our technology um, is actually the cause of the coronavirus there's lots going on with the assassinations of not only president john f kennedy but also abraham lincoln there's uh there's the gulf of tonkin incident that preceded the u.s getting uh more active in the vietnam war there's you know secret societies that are ruling the world uh some people believe that it's the Jews that rule the world. Some people believe that the Holocaust didn't even really happen. Uh, some people think the moon landings were faked. The earth is flat. There's, you know, the Bigfoot and Loch Ness monster theories. There's theories about ancient civilizations like Atlantis. And one I think that goes along with Atlantis is called Lumeria. And I've even seen stuff back in the day talking about how the people were so advanced in some ways that they like could actually like they had like powers almost like they were like x-men like mutants or some shit they could fly around and they had crazy fucking battles with their superpowers um there's harp that's h-a-a-r-p which is these like Devices that can send energy up into the ionosphere, part of our atmosphere that can supposedly direct weather and weaponize the weather, like making earthquakes happen in specific places and stuff. There's chemtrails. Uh, Yeah, that one, that one's uh, one I could probably get a little bit more into, but I'm not going to right now. But there's, you know, the fluoride in our water. There's conspiracy theories about the Denver airport, um, which is full of super fucking weird artwork. And the airport from above looks like a swastika. That's just like, that's true. You can look at pictures of it. But, um, you know, the European settlers use smallpox blankets to decimate the native Indian population. I'm pretty sure that's largely true. I've, I've heard some stuff along the way um, sort of debating Um, what really happened with that but uh, there's a there's a structure somewhere in the states called the georgia guidestones the super weird it's like these giant stones that were built by some anonymous person that have like 10 rules written in the main eight languages spoken around the world that say things like after some giant calamity or you know the The evil secret societies that are going to rule over the world and depopulate the world that we should keep the world under or like leveled out at like 500 million people, which would be significantly less than the amount of people there are now, obviously. So you can imagine the deeper you get into that kind of stuff, the scarier it can be if you think that, you know, there are people out there that are going to fucking kill 95% of the population of the planet. There's... Ideas that there's alien technology that's being suppressed that could help us with, like, unlimited free energy. There is the conspiracy around Obama's birth certificate. Um, There's an idea that there's been 13 bloodlines of people and, like, families of bloodlines of families, basically, that have ruled the human population since the beginning of time essentially all the way back to the most ancient civilizations in Mesopotamia like Sumeria and Babylon there are the studies that were done on this project called MK Ultra where like all these experiments were done with acid to see if it could be used as like a truth serum or all sorts of crazy stuff that that's one that that happened there's a uh, you know idea that the cure for cancer is being suppressed uh, one, uh, one really funny one I came across <laughs> was there's some ghost town in New Jersey that people think was a spot where people who were capable of like interdimensional travel went. And I guess they left some other dimension. That's where they're gone. Some of the true conspiracies that I came across while looking up some of this stuff. To kind of refresh my memory a little bit was things like during Prohibition, the U.S. government poisoned alcohol that people were using to make illegal alcohol. And a bunch of people died from that. There were all these black men that were treated with syphilis. Uh, for some, some reason, I didn't look too deeply into that, but apparently this was true. A lot of them died from it. Another funny one is apparently the Canadian government commissioned the creating of a gaydar, like a real machine, That could tell if someone was gay or not because I guess they didn't want them working in government (laughs) and they called it the fruit machine. (laughs) And of course, tobacco companies covered up that smoking cigarettes causes cancer, just like many of the fossil fuel companies have been covering up the effects of climate change for many years. Obviously, some people debate that as well, but uh, it's been proven in many ways uh there's so so many of these conspiracies and some of which aren't conspiracies they're actually just secret government operations and stuff like that some of which could still be classified as conspiracies though they all have these like code names like operation mockingbird and uh like this one operation paperclip where the US employed like 1600 nazi scientists after the war and there's declassified documents or things that have been proven that the the u.s government sprayed stuff all over certain u.s cities to test like dispersal patterns aerosol patterns some of which could have contained react radioactive materials and of course there are biblical prophecies that now just like many other things that have happened in the past is the beginning of the end it's the end times jesus is coming back soon all that jazz so thank you if you're still listening (laughs) it's a long list obviously and we are an extremely complicated species we are very fucked up and we're extremely beautiful in a lot of ways but we're also fucked up in a lot of ways and some conspiracies that have been shown to be real are they're they're just like mind-blowing to think that there are people out here in the world right now and all throughout history that are doing pretty terrible things and you know like one quote that i read that always really stuck with me was this guy william blum who apparently was like a u.s state department employee said no matter how paranoid or conspiracy minded you are what the government is actually doing is worse than you can imagine and it certainly doesn't help When, you know, it doesn't doesn't help us, you know, feel good in the world or like thinking about these kinds of things. When you have people like Karl Rove, who was a senior advisor to the Bush administration, when he said people like you are still living in what we call the reality based community. You believe that solutions emerge from your judicious study of discernible reality. That's not the way the world really works anymore. We're an empire now, talking about the U.S. obviously, and when we act, we create our own reality. And while you are studying that reality, judiciously as you will, we'll act again, creating other new realities, which you can study too, and that's how things will sort out. We're history's actors, and you, all of you, will be left just to study what we do. Like, that is some fucking gangster-ass crazy shit to not only come out of somebody's mouth, but to just think about not only the psychology of that individual person to say something like that, but the people that he's surrounded with the communities and the systems and the structures that are embedded in sort of like the halls of power of our civilization. It's just like, it's fucking nuts. And so it's pretty easy to buy into almost any conspiracy theory or really not know what to think or what or who to trust or like, how can, how can we base our view of reality on something tangible when there are people in power who outright admit to things like that that they literally like manipulate reality and they're the actors and we're the we're just the audience right and so we'll come back to that in a little bit one of the things that i think is one of the most important conversations we could we could really have is about our financial and our banking system because that like quite literally touches every single aspect of our lives and our whole world like time is money money is the root of all evil money makes the world go round banking and finances and money and debt and the creation of money are some of the most important and foundational things that we should understand and that we should know how it works and discuss as human beings that most of us just don't at all we don't understand it let alone like talk about it and neither do i really and also i'll tread out into the deep end a little here to dive into this one a little bit more. Cause I think it's so, it's so important and it's relevant to what's going on right now as well. The idea that essentially we're all slaves to the bankers of the world, you know, the international bankers, the people that are really in charge of like the central banks of each country around the world and the creation of money itself. Like, those are the motherfucking biggest like gangsters in the world that fucking like run shit because they create money for the world's governments, right? Like every pretty much every government in the world is in debt. Just like many of us are in debt individually. We're also in debt as provinces, states, countries, and it's like, well, who are we all in debt to? Some, some countries are in debt to each other, but all of them are in debt to banks. And so there's this idea this or this explanation that essentially bankers have got pretty much every country in the world to sign on to how they want it, that they make the money for everybody as a private corporation, as a private business, and they use government names like the federal reserve in the United States or the bank of Canada in Canada. Um, I might make some mistakes with some of the specific details on this, but basically it's that if we want money to do anything, our government, you know, for anything they need money for above what they get from our taxes, To support infrastructure projects, you know, build bridges, roads, schools, fund social programs, all sorts of stuff, including like, you know, do this stimulus check fund to support individuals and businesses through this pandemic. It's like these banks create money and as a loan, they attach debt to it. So it's like that's how all money is created. So all money is created with interest and debt attached to it that everybody, including countries, then owes to the bank. And it's like, well, the only way to pay the interest off is to get the bank to create more money with more interest. So it's like this infinite loop that the bankers are the just the fucking top dog winners of. And we can never get out of it and we and all of our future generations are essentially indebted slaves to the bank and to the debts that we owe. And this is something that is confusing as fuck. And it's like, really? Like, that's how, that's how things are like, cool. But it's my understanding that that's how it actually is. And, you know, there's a, canadian organization called the committee on monetary and economic reform that recently they had a lawsuit going through the legal system for like five and a half years that i think finally in 2017 the supreme court of canada uh dismissed the case with without reason they apparently don't have to give a reason why they're dismissing or they're not going to hear a case um they were trying to fight the Canadian government to essentially make it so that the Canadian government makes the money themselves without the debt attached to it, which apparently is how they used to run things before 1974 when it changed in Canada. And I've seen, you can look this stuff up, you can look up graphs that the Canadian debt for, you know, like a hundred years before 1974 is just pretty much a straight line. It just wobbles a little bit. The debt was always low. But then around 1974, it just shoots up like a hockey stick. Just like you see a lot of these graphs with this pandemic, with the cases of infections and deaths, it just like, it shoots up like a hockey stick. There's like, there's exponential growth. And now the Canadian debt is around $715 billion, which we owe to the banks as a country as taxpayers and we have paid off the original amount we've owed over and over and over and over again but the debt continues to climb because of compound interest that we owe to the bank and it's just like the system's rigged it's set up in this way the us is in like an astronomical amount of debt and with these stimulus packages that we're going through to help people make it through this pandemic. It's just going even higher and higher and higher. And it's just crazy to think about. Like it's, it's actually almost in some ways comical that it's like, this is, this is us. This is the world we live in. This is the systems that are set up with people who make the rules for themselves. And they're just the absolute, winners and one of the most fascinating things that i experienced in in my life was when i was like much more into this kind of stuff when i was younger i went to this little event one day that was held at city hall in kitchener where i'm from where this guy paul hellyer came to talk about economic reform and this was like a this was a crazy experience. So Paul Hellier is a Canadian engineer. He's a politician. He's the longest-serving member of the Privy Council of Canada. And he's a former Minister of National Defense of Canada who is like really instrumental in overseeing the unification of. The Canadian Army, Navy, and Air Force into the single organization we now have called the Canadian Forces, and he was just straight up confirming that that's how it is. That's the way the system works. There is this cabal they call it, which is essentially like a evil group of people that are essentially running a conspiracy. But um, yeah, he was saying that there are these cabal of elitists who rule the world with their secret societies and they're evil. And he he even went so far as to when people were asking him some questions about like part of the reason we need to have like financial and economic reform Because of the way this system is set up, but also to to deal with so many of the inequalities we have in society that stem from that and to fight things like climate change and to have money for our governments to pay for our social structures and the things that we need in order to implement a new, more sustainable future. We need to have this money, instead of paying it to banks for all this interest that we owe, because that's just how the fucking system is set up. We need to reform these systems so that we can build a better world. And someone was asking him about technology to help stop climate change or fight climate change. And he just straight up went into talking about that there's aliens that have been visiting the earth for thousands of years. There's different uh, like races of aliens from different star systems and some of them are like our friends and some of them are like evil and that they're actually like at the top as well and that there's alien technology that we have access to that's being suppressed that we could use to not only solve climate change, but unlimited infinite free energy and all sorts of shit. And I had already heard about lots of this stuff through kind of going down the conspiracy hole, but then to hear somebody of this stature and with this guy's credentials to say stuff like that is like, what the fuck like what is anything what is this reality that we're even living in like it's it's fucking mind-boggling and at some point you know i think you we need to look at the the seriousness and the severity of these really what are really really important issues And also just sort of, you know, throw our hands up and shrug a little bit and and kind of laugh. Right. Like one other quote I wanted to share with you that not only shows how fucked up people are um, and a little story about this as well to show how just fucking bizarre of creatures we are, is that one of Hitler's right hand men, he was like a, a general or something or a chief. Uh, of one of the parts of like the like the German army of the Nazis was this guy named Hermann Göring, and this is apparently a quote that he said privately to this guy who was an American intelligence officer and a psychologist and like a really notable guy it's thought to think this is like the type of guy that would have no reason to make this up. And he had access to all of these people that were being tried for war crimes from World War II at the Nuremberg trials. And he kept notes of all of his conversations with people in this diary. And this was a quote apparently from this Herman Goering guy. He said, of course the people don't want war, but after all it's the leaders of the country who determine the policy, and it's always a simple matter to drag the people along, whether it's a democracy, a fascist dictatorship, or a parliament, or a communist dictatorship. Voice or no voice, the people can always be brought to the bidding of the leaders. That is easy. All you have to do is tell them they are being attacked and denounce the pacifists for lack of patriotism and exposing the country to greater danger and that's one of those quotes that's always just like really stuck with me and i can't unlearn the things that i learned when i really went down this rabbit hole and so i think with what's happening right now like this kind of calamity on a global scale it really did sort of spark some some of the latent fears in in the realm of like maybe this is like maybe this is some bigger agenda that's going on right now And I think this is an important conversation to have because we, we certainly can see that there are a lot of problems in the world with the, the structures that we live with and in a lot of ways under in our society and with the people who, who really control them. And while we certainly need to be able to talk about these things and to always be working to try to improve things and fix the problems that we're faced with we also need to be able to do so without it really negatively affecting our lives and our well-being and to also at some point just kind of realize that if these problems are are truly so big as they seem to be then, you know, whatever we even can do about them, they're certainly not going to be changing anytime soon. And to also have the ability to kind of laugh about them a little bit and just do what we can in our lives to improve things for ourselves and for those around us. Because a lot of the things that we really do have control over, we really don't do a lot of the things we need to do insofar as like really taking care of ourselves and, and each other rather than sort of just distracting ourselves and kind of numbing out from the the challenges and the busyness of life. Right? Because one of the the more silly things that I've come across with this this Nazi general, this Hermann Goring guy, is that apparently he I think I heard this on a on a podcast back in the day, but I looked this up and I confirmed this as well. But apparently he was like an avid art collector and he got his hands on this like, you know, lost masterpiece of some great painter back in the day. And it was like his favorite painting. He, ha- he like had it in his office behind his desk and he loved it. And he apparently found out at the Nuremberg trials while he was being tried for crimes against humanity, war crimes, crimes against peace, all this shit he found out that actually the guy that he bought it from was a was like a master forger and he forged this painting. So he found out that his favorite painting was a fake and it wasn't really from this like artist that he thought it was from. Doesn't change the fact that it's looks like, exactly the same, it's, like, a perfect replica, but this guy was, like, so visibly shocked and almost, like, distraught that he couldn't fucking believe that someone would do that, this guy who was a fucking Nazi general was shocked that, like, he couldn't believe some guy fucking forged a painting, like, (laughs) it's just so bizarre we're we're so crazy we're we're an insane species and in a lot of ways nothing really makes sense you know and in the realm of conspiracy theories especially if you really get sucked into going down the rabbit hole too deeply it's us trying to kind of make some sense of of the insanity that is our world and the the human species individually and collectively. But there's a lot of truth to conspiracy theories. And I think if you want to get an objective idea of some of what's at, what's at play in our world from less of like a theory side of things and more just a statistical analysis. There's a TED talk that I watched years ago that's really stuck with me as well. And it's by this guy, James Glatfelder. And it's titled Who Controls the World? And what he and a team of people did who they study complexity and how systems are are interconnected with one another and like complexity theory they actually using the the real life data that that can be analyzed about corporations and multinational corporations and like the ownership of companies and this is all publicly accessible data which there's a lot of there's certainly probably more you know Data that isn't publicly available that could give us an even better picture, but they they analyzed all this public data about what companies own, what companies and what people own those companies, and who's on like the the board of directors and who are the shareholders in these companies, and they did this like massive analysis and found that something like the decision making power of like 40% of the world's entire economy based on who owns the most stuff and the most shareholders of like these companies and stuff that like a very, very small number of people, like I think like 125 or something control or have like a really powerful, like decision-making power over like 40% of the entire world's economy. And, you know, one of the conspiracy theories, quote unquote, that I don't I don't know if I mentioned in in the long list is the idea that there's a deep state and there are, you know, people in the shadows who are essentially the real government that really control things. And really, you know, whether it's in the U.S. or Canada or wherever, it's really hard to wrap our head around the complexity of these things but then also there are a lot of ways to see through actually studying the data, like this guy and his team did just how concentrated the wealth and power, like really, really truly is that it's, it's like, it's actually like shocking. And there's a charitable organization called Oxfam that does some, some, analysis and reports of, you know, the, the richest billionaires in the world and how much wealth they, they own compared to the rest of us, essentially. And I've seen the number decrease every year for the past several years since I first like came across this, saying that essentially um, their last few reports were showing that only 61 people, 61 billionaires in 2016 owned as much as the bottom 50% of the entire human population on Earth. And in 2017, that fell to only 43 people. And then in 2018, only 26 people. And then the last couple of years, uh, I've heard the numbers differ anywhere between that number is down to like the six richest people in the world to like the 12th, 12 richest people in the world or something, own as much wealth as half the human population, which is 3.9 billion people. And so there's obviously so many issues with that, that we could really discuss. Like that's, it's disgusting. It's super fucked up. Like, and the ideologies that underlie the people who have that wealth and go, yeah, so what? that's the way it is like it's all good it's all fine and that you know they don't take it upon themselves to really like spearhead the kinds of structural system changes that we need in order to address things like climate change and getting off fossil fuels and dealing with the the vast amount of preventable and treatable deaths that happen every year that completely dwarf the the deaths for something like what's going on with this pandemic right now it's like it's mind-boggling that that's the world we live in that's the the systems that we're dealing with and so now with some of the conspiracy theories that are really floating around regarding the pandemic itself, as far as like, you know, 5g radio frequency, radiation technology is what actually creates the, the virus itself or is, you know, causing all of these medical issues and, you know, all of our cell phone and communication technologies, it's all, It's all based on different types of radiation and people certainly get scared of the word radiation itself, but radiation just means that it radiates something like light or heat or energy of some sort. And that's how our communication works. Like radio waves are part of the, the spectrum of light. Essentially, we just only can see a really small range of like visible light. But that's just another range of light, essentially, that we can't see. And there's all these, all these ideas and these conspiracies going around about vaccines and Bill Gates and the WHO because, you know, Bill Gates has been in the media a lot recently because him and his organization have been funding work and sounding the alarm on pandemics and funding vaccines to eradicate some of the most deadly diseases we've ever seen around the world. And that like, he's part of this like cabal and these elite that are trying to take over the world. And they're trying to implement martial law and they're going to force vaccinate everybody. Some people have been talking to me about that. This is like a deliberate act of biological warfare, potentially by like China and or Russia. Like there's all these theories going around. Right. And there's all these conspiracy theories in general about us and our species and our society and this world that we live in, that we've created that ultimately is like, it's so fucking great. It's so awesome. It's so beautiful in so many ways. It's so much better than it's ever fucking been in so many ways. But it's also, there are a lot of bigger problems that come along with the globalization of our species and our our institutions and our structures that we've created. You know, as we go global, our problems go global. And it can really be scary. It's interesting, but it also can be can be really scary. And it can also be an opportunity for us to really... Look at, learn about, talk about what's really important and what some of the biggest issues that are going on really are. But also, how do we take care of ourselves and how do we, how do we sort of coexist with this information in ways that doesn't, like, really fuck us up and our well-being in our our daily lives, and regardless of what's going on with these like conspiracy theories or conspiracy facts or what's really going on in the world we know that we have a lot of problems we have a lot of problems collectively that we need to fix and we have a lot of problems individually that we need to deal with within ourselves as far as like how do we how do we take care of ourselves and how do we really interact with each other and focus on what's most important and not be manipulated by the, the media and the corporations that have their own agendas and their own business models put before our interests as citizens of our countries and our communities and you know like it's it's no conspiracy that like 90% of the world's media or more now is owned by six companies they own they own everything like it's crazy and when our problems really are at that sort of scale with media, government, corporations, the financial system, energy, military there's all these industrial complexes at the heart of so many problems and at the heart of of those are really our our belief systems as individuals and a species the things that we we actually pass on and we do have so much control to do something about but when they're when they're at such a large scale and they've been problems that have been with us since the beginning of time it's like so what? They've been with us forever. They're not going away anytime soon. And what can we actually do about them anyway? We can try to fight them. We can try to spread information about the the problems, many of which are conspiracy theories that aren't proven, many of which are conspiracy facts. But while it's important to be educated and knowledgeable about what's going on in the world it's also important to take action in our life that is going to actually make a difference for ourselves and for the people in our lives that we love right like you're not going to change the financial system by sharing a documentary you're not going to change the war machine by sharing an article from the media organizations that are owned by the same people that fund the the things that you're trying to fight like we're we're not going to fix the problems that we're up against by trying to fight them like they're so they're so big and it's essentially just like it's a waste of our our time in a lot of ways to try to fight them or even in a lot of ways to like focus on these conspiracy theories and stuff like my friend when i talked to her the other day she's like okay so like help me because she's like freaking out about this like interview that she listened to that just got censored and she's like how do you how do you deal with this stuff how did you get yourself out of the hole and i talked with my friend sophia rateson who's a neuroscientist about this in I forget which episode, but I, I I talked to her about how, when, when I went through this period of my life, I, I blamed my own anxiety and depression on the fact that I was so present to and knowledgeable about these like big things that were going on. And I was placing the blame on, on them for my, my individual experience now and being like, well, I'm, I'm anxious and depressed because I'm aware of like how fucked up things are in the world. And she was challenging me to like rethink that. And this actually was a conversation I had with her like a year and a half ago. The, the feelings that we have on a day to day basis, our anxiety, our depression, our fear. It's like, it's not because of you know the looming catastrophe that is climate change or the inequalities in the world the injustices the way our financial system set up the way our governments are set up the industrial complexes at the heart of media banking military energy all these things they're they're important of course and they matter but in our day-to-day lived experience how much do they really matter they don't it's our daily choices that determine how we think and how we feel and what we spend our time and our energy and our our one and only precious life that we have on and so you know prior to you know this conversation where sophia challenged me to really rethink attributing my own experience to taking in these sorts of conspiracy theories and and learning about these these monolithic challenges that the human species is faced with. I had to really recognize that what I was choosing to do and spend my time and energy on, like consuming this type of media so much and smoking weed and partying with my friends outside of like working. And I had, I got way more interested in politics and social issues and I dropped out of college and I wasn't on a path anymore. I didn't feel like I had something to really look forward to in my life. And then I got these feelings of despair and hopelessness that like the world is just like too fucked up. It's like I had to choose to like, stop taking in that information and of course everything in our lives and in our world depends on the the daily thoughts and choices and actions that we make like you know some people think that the holocaust didn't didn't even happen but one of the most famous books that's ever been written was by this guy Viktor Frankl who is an Austrian neurologist and psychiatrist who was in the concentration camps in Nazi Germany and he wrote this book called Man's Search for Meaning and one of the main premises of it was that even in those most crazy intense circumstances that you could possibly be in, being stuck in like a Nazi concentration camp of which some people probably feel a little bit like right now us being stuck in, you know, isolation in our homes because the government and scientists, epidemiologists around the world are saying like we have to do this to prevent this from becoming way worse than than it could be. This is like a, a sacrifice that we have to make. Like some people probably feel like, you know, they're they're in their own comfy little concentration camp with with fucking Netflix right now and whatever you want to fucking eat out of your fridge or order in from Uber Eats or whatever, right? But even in the horrific conditions of an actual concentration camp, he he noticed and he wrote about in this book that some people still were able to kind of like choose to not let it like get to them. Some people, obviously it's easier said than done. I, I probably would have a fucking terrible time and not be able to choose to be fucking chill about the situation. If I was in a fucking concentration camp, but he noticed that there were people in there that chose to kind of like make of it what they could. And I think he survived the, yeah, he did. He survived the concentration camps as well and along with this thing that he was sort of noting and observing while he was in there a couple quotes from the book are that when we're no longer able to change a situation we're challenged to change ourselves and another one one of the most famous ones is that between stimulus and response there is a space in that space is our power to choose our response in our response lies our growth and our freedom so whether we're talking about this pandemic that we're experiencing right now or the conspiracy theories that are being floated around alongside it or if you fucking go down the rabbit hole which i mean i advise you to proceed with caution and don't get lost down there if you're gonna fucking go down the rabbit hole I actually advise you don't even bother it's a waste of fucking time but even alongside the monolithic challenges that we're faced with these mind-bendingly complex challenges that we're faced with as a human species we get to choose what our response is going to be in each and every moment and it's not to say it's easy like A lot of people are losing their loved ones. A lot of people have lost their jobs, their businesses, their livelihood. There's no sense of certainty. We don't know what this is going to look like when things start to shift and we are able to open up the economy again and go back to work and try to find new jobs. And people are going to have trouble with that. And things are not going to go back to normal. Like the world is different now. And you know, there are lots of real challenges that can arise with that. Like some of the stimulus to help people through these times, CEOs and corporations are fucking going after that money, even though they really shouldn't, they have no business doing it. They're, they're able to in ways and they're, you know, there's crony fucking corruption in government and business and it's going to happen. And just like when 911 happened and you know the the patriot act was created and little by little some of our freedoms are taken away and you know it's it's a fact that pretty much all of us know and we certainly should by now if you don't that like Everything is being tracked by the United States intelligence agencies in conjunction with, you know, there's a organization that's been called the five eyes. It's like the intelligence agencies in the United States, Canada, the UK, Australia, and New Zealand. I believe it's like, those things are fucking real. And so what, what are you going to do with them? You're going to fight the fucking intelligence agencies, of the United States And Canada and these other countries? No, of course not. So you're going to let it fucking affect your daily life? I mean, you can if you want, but that's your choice. Like, it's always a choice in each and every moment. And also an opportunity for us to choose what's most important. Like, when I was in the fucking conspiracy theory rabbit hole, I was down there for several months. And what really got me to realize I need to fucking change what I'm doing is sort of at the tail end of it, several months after I started really like looking into this kind of information, I kind of took in like nothing but dark, scary, conspiratorial information for like a month. Just like that was my fucking media diet and I felt so bad, I was like, I feel like shit. I need to like stop this and get out of these communities of people that are doing the same thing and sharing this information as if they're fucking fighting the good fight and you know they're they're these like warriors for truth that are actually just stroking their own fucking egos and many of which I could see have been doing this for probably decades and it's like we we need to get really clear on not only what's important but also what's what's effective right whether it's you know just like a goal we want to accomplish in our life which we have a lot of us have a a lot of time right now to kind of work on that stuff or if you want to make some some big change towards some like bigger issues We need to make choices about what's actually going to affect the kinds of changes we want to see in our life and in our world. And pretty much everything that we actually need to do and should do is not only harder to do, but also in many cases like counterintuitive because we all know the kinds of things that we need to do in our life to improve our own life and ultimately improve the world around us. Because when we work on ourselves and when we work on improving areas of our life and our interactions with other people, it's like that's what's actually going to ripple upward to make the larger social changes that we need to see. Is like we need more and more people to change on the individual level. Right, We're not going, it's not going to be a top-down change. The people at the top of the systems that we exist within are not going to change everything. The system worked for them. They fucking made their way through it and they have no incentive and in many ways can't even see what's wrong with it because to to them it's a completely different perspective of what the issues are with the people at the bottom and that it's like it's the people at the bottom that's their fucking fault it's not it's not the people at the top for you know manipulating the system or whatever like one of the most important quotes that's really stuck with me in my life is by this guy Buckminster Fuller I've mentioned him before but he was like a modern renaissance man he was an inventor and he said that you never change things by fighting the existing reality to change things. You build a new model that makes the old one obsolete. And I believe that like, we're not going to fight our way out of the problems that we're faced with. And even though the system's rigged and it's fucked up in a lot of ways, we're not gonna build a better one by making enemies out of each other and fighting. That's kind of what we've always done and that's a big part of the reason that we're in the situation that we're in, in many respects with what's going on in the world. And along with choosing our response to the information that we take in, to the things that are going on, and choosing what we're going to do and how we're going to think and and really our our experience in each and every moment though it's easier said than done it really is based on our choices and we also we need to really choose who we're going to trust and what types of sources are we going to get our information from and One of the things that really helped me claw my way back out of the the conspiracy theory rabbit hole that I got in in my my early to mid-20s was that as I, you know, sort of investigated what's really going on in the world, how does our world really work, who's really in charge, who really has the power, I sort of inevitably... Learned more and more about and got more and more interested in and be, began to lean more and more on science and that the the people who are scientists and work in the stem fields of science technology engineering and math like those are generally speaking people that are much more trustworthy to base our like model of like the world and reality on then the governments and media and corporations that there is a lot of corruption there is a lot of conflicts of interest going on there is a lot of fucked up stuff and you know historically speaking a lot of politicians have been like businessmen and lawyers and stuff like that who know how to navigate the system And there's this revolving door between government and industry where somebody works for an industry, goes and works in the government body that regulates that industry for a few years, makes all the rules better for that industry, and then goes back to the fucking industry. Like, that type of shit is going on all the time. And one of the most beautiful things about science and about scientists is that It's a way of looking at the world and investigating things and interacting with each other and thinking and changing our thinking that has mechanisms built in to try our best, at least to minimize our our biases and to rather than dig our heels in and fight. For our beliefs, when information conflicts with our currently held beliefs, science has the mechanisms built in to take in the new data and take in the new evidence and share it with people who can confirm it themselves and to change our thinking and change our worldviews based on that. And that way of thinking and interacting with each other and behaving and investigating and explaining a story of of this like beautiful magical world that we live in is something that we certainly can hang our hats on a lot more than most of the other systems that humans have ever built that are still with us and they're still causing massive issues and you know thankfully we're seeing with this pandemic that science is coming to the forefront and it's a huge part of the conversation and we're we're listening to and we're trusting for the most part and we're going to the people with scientific knowledge to help us figure out what we need to do and a path to move forward and really like learning about science and like to look at the world through a more objective scientific like way of thinking is something that legitimately like helped me not only get out of this like hole I was in and how shitty I was feeling, but it also served to fill me with hope and wonder and optimism for our future and the world that we live in and spark my curiosity for the mystery that it is that we have the just absolute blessing and miracle to be experiencing right now. And you know, before listening to this, you may or may not have heard of some of these conspiracy theories. You may have heard about this idea that like fucking 5g is causing the coronavirus or it's making it worse or or whatever but we really have to choose who it is that we're going to trust and where we're going to get information from because most of us don't have the technical scientific knowledge or expertise to really understand much of anything like even even for those of us that do possess some expertise in some area We don't in like almost any other area, right? So we have to learn to trust each other and we have to learn how do we determine who we can trust. And I think that looking to the communities of scientists for support and supporting them through not only things like this pandemic, but hopefully if we can come to understand that these types of people and these ways of thinking are sort of like our future, really, if we're going to have a future, if we're going to solve the, the big challenges that we have, and if we're going to solve the, the individual challenges that we have, like those are really the types of people who have the answers that we, we kind of need. And, you know, there's no shortage of people out there who don't think like that and don't have the knowledge or the expertise that are the ones out there not only creating information but also sharing it that can really muddy the conversations that we have together as communities and as a society but also really muddy like your own thinking and your own well-being and your own perspective of the world that we live in and the reality that we live in. And you can go out on the internet. There's like an infinite amount of information out there. Go look at any fucking conspiracy you want. It's gonna probably be convincing that, yeah, well, maybe it is because 5G. Maybe this is happening because of this whatever. And like that shit can really fuck you up but like one of the interviews that i was listening to the other day was tom billiu on his podcast impact theory or health theory where he he asked his guest who is th- this guy david sinclair he's an australian biologist and he's a professor of genetics and he's a harvard researcher who's talking about all things to do with COVID-19, coronavirus, whatever. And he, he asked him about that stuff too, because these conspiracy theories are going around and he's like, yeah. And like some of the people that are sharing them with me, like I consider to be very intelligent people. And so I'm like, fuck, now I got to look at this. And like, it is actually like sounds really convincing or it sounds like possible or plausible. And, like, so so what do you have to say about, like, these ideas that, like, you know, 5G is causing this or that? And it's something that we really have to worry about. And he just kind of shrugs it off. He's like, basically, it's, it's silly. Like, it's, like, stupid. Like, we understand how these technologies work at least well enough that we know that they're not causing issues like that. And we get way more radiation, just background radiation from the sun and from cosmic rays and stuff like that. than we do from things like 5g or, or our other radio frequency technologies that we have. And in preparing for this article, I was looking that up again. Cause I'm like, shit, I need to, I need to kind of try to inform myself a little bit on both sides and, you know, kind of see what they're saying. And you just really got to choose who you're going to trust because you can trust some fucking conspiracy videos that might have like some decent production value. Most of them fucking don't, but some of them do, they look pretty legit and they have some people talking about these issues of all kinds that have some, some levels of expertise. I'm certainly not saying that there aren't people out there, smart people who have real concerns about maybe 5G or different technologies or whatever. But when you have people like this guy, David Sinclair, being like, literally, it's just silly, and like this one article I read showing that the cancer rates, the average like cancer rates that we experience across the population haven't really risen since the advent of all this technology. And maybe some people would dispute that. But if this kind of technology was like really fucking us up, then the place to look would be like the people who work installing these technologies, you know, working in closer proximity to the towers where the radiation is more, you know, like the more you get away from the tower, the more it dilutes, the more it doesn't affect us. And that is like the kind of place and the kind of thinking to be like, that's where you would need to look if this is like an actual problem to determine if the claims about it, like affecting us negatively is that you would see like the issues and the cancer rates in these kind of people at much higher rates. And it's just like, we don't see that. And whether there is information out there that people are pointing to going, well, so-and-so saying that actually that is the case, but other people are saying it's not we just get back to the point where we get to choose what is it that we're going to do what is it that we're going to focus on like are you going to are you going to spend the next however long however much of your free time and your precious life fucking investigating 5g technologies while the multi-billion dollar companies who are going to implement it and roll it out anyway are, are gonna do it anyway like you're gonna you're gonna try to like fight that it just doesn't make any fucking sense and so for me part of the way that i continue to deal with this kind of information when it comes in is i do sort of look up a little bit of information on both sides sometimes but generally speaking i trust the science we 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 can't learn generally speaking for most of us we can't learn deep level of knowledge in a bunch of different fields of study to be able to really truly know these things ourselves and so we have to place our trust in other people and i think that the the media that we choose to interact with and consume and take our information from is that much stronger when the people bring on people who are scientists and engineers and experts in their field and just fucking just leave it at that is kind of like all right like you know what maybe 5G is fucking us up what are you going to fucking do about it nothing like it makes a whole lot more sense to me to spend my time and my life working on how to better understand myself so that I can take care of myself and that includes things like we could go on a rabbit hole on this but I think I've rambled enough for this episode but like dealing with the underlying trauma that's at the center at the heart of why we don't do the things we need to do to actually take care of ourselves, to actually reach our goals, to actually work on developing the willpower and the focus and the concentration and the discipline to really truly take care of ourselves and make a positive impact in the lives of the people that we interact with. right? Because doing that work working on ourselves and taking responsibility for our thoughts and our experience and our response to what happens to us or for us in the world and how we frame our, our perceptions of our reality and what we're going to actually invest our time and our money and our energy and our life in like that when more and more of us Spend time focusing on that stuff instead of trying to fight all these monolithic problems and the power structures that lie behind them and, you know, learning about conspiracies or learning about whether they're theories or fact. It does, it literally doesn't fucking matter. It's like, the more of us that work on ourselves and take responsibility for our lives and the interactions that we have with our loved ones, with our family, our friends, our co workers, and our partner, and our children, if you have any, like that is the only thing that's going to actually make a fucking difference and change the world. Like, we need people certainly being aware of and challenging the the powers that be and the the things that some people are trying to do for their own advantage and the driving forces of the inequality and injustice in our world we obviously like we need people focusing on that type of stuff but ultimately the real change i believe only comes not through fighting those structures but through working on ourselves and working on building new, better structures that builds the better world that we all yearn for and that we all know is possible. And we have the opportunity right now, a lot of us to take some time to focus on that. And yeah, I just, I highly suggest that if you're new to the realm of conspiracy theories or conspiracies that are real there's a lot better things that you could be spending your time on and so i think we'll leave it at that for now until next time In our resprant, our resprant, <sighs> comfy little confident, comfy little confident, like concentration camp. <sighs> one of the most famous books that's ever been written, <laughs> written, one of the most famous books that's ever been written was by this guy Victor Frankel, who was in the concentration camps in Nazi Germany, and he wrote this book called *Man's Search for Meaning*, and one of the main premises of it was that even in the horrific conditions of an actual concentration camp, he he noticed and he wrote about in this book that some people still were able to kind of like choose to not let it like get to them. And along with this thing that he was sort of noting and observing while he was in there, a couple quotes from the book are that when we're no longer able to change a situation... We're challenged to change ourselves. And another one, one of the most famous ones, is that between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom.